Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for the ups, for the Upcoming's 48th episode, we're almost to 50, folks, so 48th episode, Joanna Pleasantville, New York. She is a singer with an awesome voice and some equally awesome songs, and her new song, uh, Jump Scares, is out right now, and you can just be sure to tune in listen to it. She's got other amazing music like you know stupid reckless and mia which i got to hear myself amazing and you know she's got so much more in store but she came and joined the upcoming tonight to just just share her passions her life her music everything with us and i couldn't be more honored to have her so ladies and gentlemen the magnificent bray how's it going bray good how are you that's a beautiful intro thank you <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm even better since you are here. So, Bray, as part of the upcoming, I always let my guests introduce themselves. So, please tell us who and what exactly are you? Ooh, um, deep question. I'm Bray. I'm a singer-songwriter. I'm a musician. Um, I guess that's like the boring answer, but yeah, I like sports, I like food, I like talking. As you'll probably find out soon. <laughs> yeah, not much. <laughs> All right. So, like sports and you like food. Okay. So yeah. what's your ideal <laughs> what's your ideal place? Like what's your ideal um place to um situation to have like both food and sports? Like what school uh, would you watch? Like what food would you have? Like first thing. Like either my house because we're like big on like Sundays, like we cook and we have like football on the whole day. But if it's not that, it's like a a sports bar. I, I'm I feel very at home at a sports bar for some reason. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I too have grown a love for I've I've grown a love for sports bars myself. It's yeah, know, so relaxing. It's an and it's like you get to like say your opinions and like argue with people in like a very fun way kind of don't get don't get too argumentative but yeah mm, yeah don't don't get you know, fights will break out immediately but you gotta you gotta be careful so but i, I don't drink so i'm just there for the, the debating and stuff smart <laughs> um so now let's start off into into you, Bray. Uh, as your introduction, let's just take us all the way back to when you first discovered, you know, your love for music and singing, and how that turned uh, shaped you to the person you are now. Yeah, so I started out in community theater because I had a lot of energy, and my mom didn't really know what to do with that, so she was like, "She should just like be in plays and be away all day, and I don't have to, you know, like." take care of her so i started up doing like community theaters and i really loved like singing dancing acting like just you know performing really was just like where i first found like my love of just like being in front of people and uh just being creative so that was like my first chance i was like five years old um 
but then like when I really was getting into like singing, um, I was like nine. And basically like what happened was I was like singing in my dance class and the voice teacher who worked there at the time, like heard me singing in dance class and like pulled me aside and was like, have you ever thought about like singing and like doing voice lessons and like really taking this seriously? And at the time I was like, huh? <laughs> and so he like talked to my mom and my mom was like, okay, like let's put her in some voice lessons. And that's kind of like where everything started for me. And I, I would travel, he like lived in the city. So I would travel like three, four times a week um, when I was really young with like my dad and, and like take vocal lessons and start songwriting and like really just like honing in that craft of being like a singer songwriter, even though I really didn't know what that meant at the time. It was just like fun and like, um, like a good way to express myself. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the origin story, I guess. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, it's all these different, all these different scenarios, all these different, just all these different moments. Just it's so funny how one thing can lead to another and another, and then eventually it yeah. just builds you more and more to the person you are. So yeah, when you first started singing, and you know, just the more you did it, just. How did you see yourself love? Like, what what about it? The more you did, it made you just love it even more and more. Just that, just the art of singing. Yeah. So after I I worked with him for like almost like six seven years, I wanted to be classically trained operatically because I really thought um, that if I was able to like use my voice as an instrument and treat it as such and be just like classically trained my whole life, I'd be able to, you know, take things more seriously and, and like do whatever I really wanted vocally. Um, so I, when I was like 15, 16, I started working, um, with the Juilliard trained, uh, vocal teacher and she really just like expanded my range and like taught me good, you know, vocal health and, and just how to like sing properly and like how to make sure that you have this ability like your whole life, you know, like it doesn't just like stop or like it doesn't get injured, you know, it's like you're an athlete in a way. So like kind of taking like this love that I had and like really like regiment and like be really smart about it and like treat it like it's, you know, a career because that's, that's how I've always seen it. Um, but having that, um, technical like foundation, uh, was like the next step. And that's really like how I kind of just went from it being like, okay, I love doing this and this is fun to like when I was in high school, just like really dedicating myself and like being like so serious about it and like making choices based around like singing, like only singing and like what would affect my voice and what wouldn't affect my voice. So, um, I think that was, I kind of forget your question if I'm being honest. So I don't know if I really answered that one, but that's, it's, it's, <laughs> it's cool. I'm gonna actually when you mentioned about, um, classical training, it's made mm. me think a lot about, you know, just classical singing compared to like, you know, today's modern, like uh, mm. sort of pop singing. So how, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I, I can't help but think about like just the differences in it, but yeah, anything classic, like learning, like, you know, classical singing prepares you for, you know, sort of the, um, the pop, uh, modern ways of, of music. Yeah. I think definitely with like how just strict and like rigorous touring is because like as a pop artist, you're touring so much and you're performing live so much. Like some of my favorite artists are like on the road for like six months at a time out of the year. And it's like, 
vocally, how do you do that? And not like just be totally burnt out or like lose your voice. And like, it does happen because like, there is a point where like a threshold where like your voice is just going to give out because you're doing two shows a night, you know, seven days a week. But, um, I think like the classical training really helps with that because like you go on vocal rest, you don't eat certain foods, you know, you warm up a certain way, you use your voice a certain way. You're not belting all the time. You're not, you know, doing crazy runs every show. There's just, there's so many things that I learned, um, from my teacher and, and just like really taking that seriously that will and has helped me do pop music. Um, because yeah, pop is easier vocally, um, for the majority, but like, it is like way more rigorous and like has so much more like demand vocally. So I think that's, that's like, my like foundation is what I always say. It's like my springboard that like every time I'm like nervous or something, I always kind of center myself and go back to like my roots of like classical vocal training or like, because that stuff was so much harder <laughs> than uh, like a pop yeah. song that I'll write, you know? So yeah. yeah, I think that's, that was like the main thing of being classically trained is just like having a really solid foundation that I could use for like live singing. So like nothing, nothing's really out of my range because um, like, I don't sing out of my range because that's like what you're taught, like classically, like you don't do things or pick keys or write in certain keys that are out of your range because you're going to be performing that live. And how are you going to do that seven days a week? If it's constantly like causing stress on your voice. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you brought up tours, it made me think to myself, like, oh, yeah, freaking Taylor Swift and like Madonna and like, like, what's the point of even buying a house if you're just like gone, like most of the year? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's absurd. Like, yeah, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so definitely it's not it's not singing itself, it's the amounts of singing you have to do um constantly. Yeah. That's the most exhausting part. Yeah. Right. And like making sure that the songs are like not extremely difficult for you to sing consistently, which is something that like I said, classical training does help with because you know, you know how to write for your voice, which is what I learned, you know, because like I am a songwriter. Um so it's it's easy to write out of your range when you're not writing your own stuff because no one's going to know your voice better than you. So um, it was like really cool to like know my voice inside and out before I really like even went into songwriting like full, you know, full force. So now I like only write for like my voice and like what I know is going to work. And so, you know, songs are just easier, you know, to sing consistently because, yeah. you know, I created them. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, So I'm curious, what are some, so you've been, you know, you've been trained and you've practiced so you can better master your voice and better um, handle yourself when you're singing. But uh, let's talk into some uh, different, um, you know, practice uh, methods or techniques you use to help, you know, maintain your voice and sing so you don't, you know, run out of breath or lose your voice. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of things that I do is like, 
I never realized this until I did like classical training was like vocal rest. I thought that was like kind of crazy and like a bit extreme, but like if I'm doing like a bunch of singing or like I'm practicing for something or like I have like a really long session, like a really long recording session that like goes on for like hours, like I won't talk the next day. Like I will just like not talk to anyone or at all. And what it really does is like the only way the voice can rest is if it's like not being used at all. It's a muscle above anything else. So the only way you can really like not injure it more or irritate it more is if you're not using it. So as extreme as it sounds, I like just go on vocal rest and like my friends know, my family knows, everyone that's in my life knows like I'm not gonna talk that day. I'll text you, I'll like text my words out on like notes or whatever. But like, um, that's like one of the things I do a lot, like (laughs) just to really like make sure that my voice is not like being damaged because it's really easy easier than a lot of people think to like get vocal notes. It doesn't necessarily mean that like you are a bad singer or you're not like technically correct even. Um, It's just really easy when you're using your voice a lot to, because they're rubbing together constantly. So any sort of friction over a long period of time is going to create problems. So if you don't really allot time to like let the voice recuperate and like rest completely, you do like run the risk of nodes and, and, you know, bronchitis, like all these crazy things that your voice can get. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's like my, my number one thing I do is like, just don't talk, (laughs) don't make any noise, which is really hard. (laughs) Yeah. That's insane because I can't but think about like, how do you duck the people that try to like force you to talk (laughs) to them? Like someone on the streets or like a mail or somebody. it's definitely tough i definitely try to pick days where like i know i'm not gonna like be running around and like needing to like interact with people um during covid it was really easy because like i was just inside and like i if i needed to just like not talk to anyone i would just like not answer my phone um but yeah um it's definitely like it's harder you know it's as hard as it sounds right because like you communicate so easily talking and it's like i don't know it makes me think like wow like i really use my voice so much so um but yeah it's definitely it's definitely like the easiest way to let your voice really uh and most effective to like just really keep yourself in good vocal health is to just like let it let it rest (laughs) completely um and then like obviously like i don't smoke i don't drink um if i'm singing that day no no dairy um not like nothing with anything that can you know clog or uh cause any any friction you know nothing cold either like ac really cold water you know is gonna is gonna like stunt the vocal cords so you're not gonna get um a great sound with that so yeah there's there's a lot of things that i do i'm, I'm a little bit ocd <laughs> about it um wow. but yeah i would say those are like I mean, yeah, the main thing is like off the top of my head of just like what I kind of do just uh, habitually. You, yeah, no, that's not your OCD. That's just dedication right there. That's just you taking your voice. Like, <laughs> possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I like to think of it like that. But you, <laughs> but you brought up, uh, you brought up COVID and, and it, yeah. I immediately started thinking about like how COVID-19 just just being quarantined at home, just the isolation um, affects uh, different artists. How did it affect you when uh, it was going on? Yeah, I was in school. Um, I was at Purchase. I was in the conservatory. So all the classes were moved online. Um, But it really gave me a chance to like, 
like self-produce and self-record. So I really got into like using a DAW and uh, getting a better, you know, interface and getting a better mic and like really investing in myself and like cutting like demos every day. So I would just like write a song a day um, and record myself and like learn, you know, what vocal chains I liked and, and really like, you know, vocal engineer myself. So I, it was like horrible, like, don't get me wrong. It was horrible for so many people and for myself, but like, it really gave me skills that I don't know if I would have like been forced to, to have like honed. So I, it was like, it was a bit of a trade-off for me. Um, yeah. And, and I wrote, like I wrote MIA in isolation. I wrote stupid reckless. I wrote basically this whole EP and also songs on the next project were written as a result of COVID and just like the isolation and, and feeling like really anxious and just like being like, all right, well, I have to let this out somehow. And music's always been that for me. So it was pretty natural to just kind of lean on music, um, as like a, a comfort during that. Yeah. Comfort. Music art period was just a comfort for so many of us. It's so beautiful, really, how it can do that. And just when you're by yourself and you're stuck, and you just say, oh, "You know, let me let me listen to some music, or let me let me let me paint something." Just keep my mind off it. So I'm going back to some of your going back a bit of your background. Uh, wanted to hear some of your um, biggest uh, musical influences. I have a pretty big range because I've. I listen to so much, so many genres of music. I, I try like not to like hate like any one genre because I always think there's like something that I've probably been influenced by without even knowing. I just think that's like the essence of music is like we all stand on each other's shoulders. And like, even if you don't feel like you're directly influenced, you're probably influenced by something that like you just didn't even know. Um, but like, I guess my, my conscious influences would be like Freddie Mercury growing up. Like I, my dad just played him all the time. And so like, I was always listening to and just like the theme. Yeah. So the, the like theatrical vocal prowess. Oh yeah, exactly. So like, I just remember listening to somebody to love and like dancing and being like, I want to sing like that. And just like, I want to command um, an audience like that. And I, I think so many people like were just so influenced by him, but uh, definitely him, definitely Whitney Houston, you know, the divas, Mariah, um, Amy Winehouse, Kate Bush, uh, Imogen Heap, Caroline Polachek, like some, some newer ish artists. She's been around for a while, but like, you know, so yeah, definitely a lot of different types of, of artists, Charlie XCX. Um, yeah. So a lot. <laughs> So many, but so and so many. The thing I've noticed about all these different artists, the ones you named, the ones the reason we're able to you know, remember them and just hear them constantly and be able to recognize them is because you know they all had their own styles, their own personas, and their mm -hmm. own like their own way of just making a mark. They all made their mark on music in just one way or another, and. You know, the thing about Freddie Mercury was he was like he made sure you could never forget about him with, with the costumes and his voice, the way he played piano so beautifully, yeah. and his songwriting like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I don't think anyone else could have ever thought of that. And so, yeah, no. When you, yeah, when you um, are writing your music and when you're you know building your persona, your brand, how do you want? Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do you want it to impact uh, the music world? 
Yeah, I think I'm a writer first. So I'm all about storytelling. Um, so the initial impact, I think for me will always be like the music and the story I'm telling and the lyrics and uh, my experiences, because I think that's um, just always how I've connected with people in music is just like what they were writing about and uh, what that said about them and their perspective. Um, and I think especially in today, like being as literal as possible is just like kind of like the trend, like being as open and honest and like raw, I think is really popular. So it kind of just goes hand in hand with what I naturally am like inclined to do as a songwriter. And people are really just gravitating towards that style of writing of just nothing's too much, right? Like in the, in the age of social media, we share everything. So that of course would correlate to songwriting and, you know, lyrics and, and like, talking about everything under the sun and like someone will connect with you. And so I think that's kind of like what I would want to be remembered. Like, yes, a great singer, a great performer is great. Right. But like, you know, someone listening to my records and really connecting with them and feeling like they were got, I think is my overall, like what I would want someone um, to gain. But ultimately like, that's not really my control either. So, you know, <laughs> I write and you know people will connect because it's from an honest place so an honest place there you go yeah. so now let's just get into some more of you know your songwriting and then like to your singles because I want to talk more about them so mm -hmm. first let me ask you what is your sure. favorite theme um, when writing music mm. uh it's tough. It's definitely tough. I mean, I think the the most popular answer is love because there's so many forms of it and um, it affects almost everyone in one way or another, uh, whether it's platonic, romantic. Um, so I think definitely like as <laughs> as a human <laughs> experiencing life in, in her early 20s, uh, love was obviously like something that I you know, always wanted to write about and have written about. Um, but I also like writing about family. I like writing about life. I like writing about, you know, struggles and insecurities and um, growing up because growing up is really hard. And uh, so, but, you know, kind of weaving and, and, and picking, but I would say like my favorite songs are like growing up songs, like songs that, you know, you feel like you kind of like turned a page when you wrote them, if that makes any sense. And like, you kind of turned a corner. Uh, so those are my favorite ones, but um, I also, I love love. Love is, love is beautiful. So <laughs> one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Love is powerful. And, you know, there's another thing I've been thinking about is we've seen a lot of, uh, over the years, we've seen a lot of songs about self-love. Like before it was like, you know, romantic yeah. love, you know, love, but like yeah, self-love. So many forms mm -hmm. of, of love, but I feel like self-love is like one of the one of the two most powerful because you gotta you know love yourself or you love somebody else. So how do you, exactly how do you, when you're when you're writing um, a song? I know you want to like, carry that same um, feeling of just like hey you know love yourself you know love what you do because you know I yeah. do I love myself right absolutely. yeah definitely self-love yeah super important and and writing about that and i think like self-love is also like breakup songs right because like some of the best breakup songs are just like you know 
like showing self-love and being like, you know what, like you screwed me up one time. So I learned my lesson and I love myself enough to like, be like, no, <laughs> like, thanks, but no thanks. So, um, I think like self-love and just like writing from a perspective of like, you know what, like this was great, but this isn't worth you know, all the headache and all the stress. And I think that's really important because like sometimes people like even myself, like I'll, I'll be in a, a point in time where like, I'll literally need someone to be like, stop, let it go. Like, you know what I mean? Like respect yourself. Like you don't deserve this. And some of my artists, like my favorite artists have done that without, you know, obviously even knowing. So like artists have such power in that. Like you don't know like what song will like help someone and like make someone literally just like get someone bad out of their life or like, you know, show them that like, okay, I don't need this. So writing from that perspective is super important. And and that's why like some of my favorite songs are like the the like I'm I'm over you songs. <laughs> you know. I love that. I love it so much. So with that being said, let's transition into your uh latest single, Jump Scare. So I am okay. Just loving everything you've uh, put out so far, and this is no different. Where is would jump scares? You know, with that same feeling of like you know self love and you know family and growing up. Yeah. Which um, of the two? Which would you say jump scares is the closest to um, love or uh, growing up? Yeah, more 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 self love, but also has that growing up of like you know, being like acknowledging and being aware that someone's not really good for you. Like, I think that takes a lot because, you know, we want to hold on to things and we, and we, we don't want to admit that things are probably not as good as we make them out to be. Um, and that's really hard. Um, it's hard to be that honest with yourself. So I think jump scares is kind of in like a, a metaphor is kind of saying like, this person is literally just a jump scare. Like it, they're not actually anything like I'm putting into this and I'm, you know, what I'm creating and what I'm painting them out to be is not what they are. You know, they're, they're kind of a joke. <laughs> so it's, it's like, you know, in a, in a more poetic sense, it's more saying like this person's a clown and you know, they're never really there is one of the lyrics. So like, they're not really what like you're making them out to be. Um, and so that, that takes self-reflection, that takes self-awareness, that takes time. Um, and so I think that's why it's a little bit of both of like growing up and like maturing, but also like being like, wow, you are so not what I thought you were, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like a little bit of both. Yeah. He's just, just a clown in disguise to stay away from them folks. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you know, it's just like really it's being honest with yourself and having that moment where like it still hurts because you do care about this person and it's a reflection of you in a way because you're like, wow, I, I really messed up here with thinking you were this amazing person. Um, but it's also that like, okay, now we can move on and we can, we can grow and we've accepted this, that like you made a mistake and it's not, it's not your fault. Right. It's just like, that's just how the cookie crumbled. So that's like kind of the essence of the song. And I, I wanted to make a song that was just kind of like, almost because like my delivery in it is like just kind of throwing it away like you're just a jump scare like you know it's just like that point where you just kind of accepted it and like you're not really you're hurt but you're not like f you about it you're just like you know people people are clowns <laughs> i love it, I it absolutely 
Yes, it is just how it is. It's I love it. Yeah, it's you know, you. it's really, uh, but it really just so many people who hear this, you know, whales who you know relate to it and just uh, it'll resonate yeah. with them because so many people are in those relationships where it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. that person was so right about you know that guy or that girl. It's yeah. it's so. It takes wanna, time though. It does. It takes, it does. You know, when you're in it, you're in it. And that's like the, that's the hardest part. Right. So like, it does really take that, like, you have to take a step back and kind of see things without the rose colored glasses on. And that's really tough. Um, but that's why I, I really believe in the song is because I think it's, it's one of those songs that like everyone in one way or another thought someone that like love someone or cared about someone that didn't turn out to be who they thought they were like in one way or it was a friend, a significant other, anyone like a boss, like a coworker. Like there's always been that moment where people have disappointed you. Um, and so, you know, but how you choose to grow from it and um, not blame yourself or think it's your fault somehow entirely. I think that's like the message of the, the song, the, the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. There we go. So, but, you know, your song, it reflects so much of real life. Like I said, so many people like who relate to that. But, you know, when you step outside, there's just so many different influences to songwriting because it's all it's all poetry. You know, when you think about it, and mm-hmm. poetry, you know, reflects real life. So, you know, what is yeah. when you've been out and, you know, you lived your life what are some other different like scenarios or different ways that the world just influenced your songwriting? Mm-hmm. I think definitely, um, you know, like being in the industry and, and working with producers and being rejected so much and being told no so much for reasons that like, will just never really make sense or like have any like, gravity to them like they're just statements that just like you know but like they'll hurt obviously but they're they're really not like grounded in anything real so i think like just growing up in that world and um obviously like being a female and just you know hearing everything that you could possibly hear from people that like don't know you at all um and like don't know your middle name so it's just like it, it just really shaped me into into like having thick skin and really writing from like my own perspective and like really being forced to like find my sound um and not like listen to too many people about it because at the end of the day like you kind of it's hard but like if you the people that i respect are people that like just listen to their voice and like really have a really succinct sound and um are really just you know a little bit like bossy about it and like are like no i'm not writing about that or talking about that because like this is my voice and this is what i want to say um and so i think like that whole part of my life um shaped me into like being forced to be super self-aware and uh, to have them in my writing and not just write just to write a song or to write about something that I don't really believe in or haven't lived or experienced. So like, I think that would be like one of the biggest uh, experiences or just overall like themes of my, my voice and just like my writing is just having all that, that self-doubt and like working through that. And like, how does someone work through that? Um, and hoping to help people, others work through that because everyone has self-doubt in one way or another. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no, it makes sense. 
Yeah, it makes sense. It just the music industry. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. <sighs> I can imagine. Nuts. It's so many Nuts. different obstacles, so many different people, so many different hands you got to shake, and then so many rejections. Like, it's basically... It's it's like it's like a pyramid you're trying to climb, except the pyramid just pushes you off so many times you gotta pull it back up. Yeah. So yeah. you've experienced a lot of you experienced a lot of lows, I'm sure, and just a lot of setbacks. So how yeah. each one like made you made you stronger? Definitely. And I think it, it also just helped me form a, a voice in my songwriting. It just made me like be able to communicate and talk about something real and not talk about something manufactured or, you know, something that I felt like I had to talk about because it was trendy or it was, you know, like what was popular, you know, it, it's like everything that I've written has like literally just been like from my heart and like something that I've felt at, at one point. Um, and I think like that's, like you, I wouldn't take back all of, you know, the literal heartbreak that this career has given me um, because I was able to gain that and, and help people, I think through that and like have an honest voice, um, which as a songwriter is like your biggest tool. It's like the most important thing. So, yeah. And which when you mentioned uh, trendy, you know, and manufactured, it did get me thinking about, you know, just being a woman in the industry. It made me think about one particular trend that's been causing mm -hmm. uh, controversy, depending on whose side you're listening to. And that's just been the, you know, sexualization of an objectification of female singers, which right. you know, a lot of women had to endure just to sell, just to sell records. You know, and you see that with Ariana Grande or Demi Lovato, Kalani. Yeah. So... I wanted to take um, get you know your thoughts on it, uh, Bray, being a woman who's you know still got so much um, more records to sell and is going to be doing big things. How do you um, plan to you know protect your persona or like you know handle the potential like objectification that you might face in the industry? Yeah, I think it's really about who you surround yourself with. Um, and it's, it's taken me so long to even release music because I was just not around the right people. And so deals would fall through. Um, things wouldn't happen. Music would never get released because um, I was around people that wanted to just really exploit and, and was just in it for the money and just wanted to sell something um, that wasn't honest and wasn't authentic. Like, yes, you have to sell something, but why can't it be honesty? Why can't it be your, your experiences? Why can't it be your story? Like those are the most important songs. Anyway, if you look at any song that's resonated with millions of people, it had a story. Um, so I think that's, that's like my cheat code, I think is just like, I kind of been through that and like have dealt with people that just wanted me for, you know, very superficial reasons. And so I'm at a point now where I only work with people that like, like what I have to say and like value that first, you know? And so like, I have a production team and I, and like anyone like marketing and social media, like it's usually women and like, it's just people that, um, you know, can, can really relate to me in an honest way. And, and want to like hear the story and like get to know the person and not just push something that's fake or something that's, you know, 
easily to sell because I, I don't like, I think even like Olivia Rodrigo, like she talks about like her experiences and like, that's what's selling Taylor Swift, the same thing. Like there's artists that can just talk about their life and it sells really well. So I think that is just outdated and like, yes, it'll always like sell in some form because sex always sells, but like it doesn't have to be. And I think there's a lot of artists that don't push that and do really well. So it gives me hope (laughs) that I can, I can just, you know, talk about what I want to talk about and be an honest person and, you know, help some people and that will sell and I'll be good. (laughs) Gosh, Taylor Swift. It's, she's literally just, I don't know anybody who's been able to make more money simply just thinking about their life and relationships like she has. It's unbelievable. Exactly. Exactly. So it's definitely possible. And there's plenty of artists too that, you know, we may not have heard of that do the same thing and have an audience and, uh, you know, make a living. So um, yeah, it's definitely, it's harder in some ways, but it's also, I think, worth it for me because that's where my soul is. That's where my happiness is. And, um, you know, I don't know, everything else will fall into place if I'm just doing things with, you know, an honest, an honest foot forward, I think. Those are well. Um, but, you know, there's so much, so much more to the industry because you'll meet so many shady people and get caught up in so many bad deals. You know, like you mentioned, so many hands that will yeah. shake your, I'll shake yours, and then you know, knives like resting in their other hands behind their back. So, like, mm-hmm. what are some, like, what are some like just red flags that you've learned to watch out for? Yeah, I think. Um manipulation. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it could be hard to detect that, but uh, a lot of people in the music industry just like manipulate you to do what, you know, they, they want you to do not necessarily what's right for you, um, but just like their agenda. So I think like anytime, like someone will say something and it just like, won't sit well with you. I think like trusting that and knowing like your gut is like a hundred percent accurate. And like, if something doesn't sit with you, it doesn't sit well with you for a reason. And you don't need to like ignore that. (laughs) That's not like you just being like too sensitive or too emotional or not ready, you know, cause like they will just manipulate, you know, the crap out of you if you let them. So you kind of have to be like, okay, that didn't sit well. That was weird let you know let me like distance myself and like think about things and then like come back to it but like i've just noticed anytime someone was like just saying something that i was like ooh that was that did not sit well with me down the line we ended up not working together or something bigger happened and like not to say like you should just cut everyone off <laughs> but there is a lot of validity and just like getting a gut reaction because the people that i work with now Never. I never got a bad feeling. I never felt like what they were saying or even if they were like critiquing or, you know, wanting to add something to something. It was never from like a place of like that felt weird or that felt like they were trying to manipulate me. So I think like in like a broad sense, just like making sure you're not being manipulated into thinking some way or doing something. Um, And then also just like if someone's like, if you're bringing a song to someone and they have nothing good to say about it, right? Like that was always with a thing. It's like, I would bring songs that I would write, you know, to, to people in A&R and managers and labels at the time. And because it wasn't them 
and they weren't paying their people to do it and they couldn't make money off of it, essentially, they didn't like it. But it was never like they couldn't give me a reason or it was never like, oh, well, just I like this, but not this, you know, like something constructive. So I think it's it's really important if you're working with people and you're trying to navigate the industry is really like making sure that if someone's saying something that like nothing is just like resonating with you or feels like it's helping you in any way, it probably isn't. And it's probably them just trying to manipulate you into doing what they want. So don't work with them. <laughs> That's do, my- not, do not work with people who just try no. to manipulate you. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, you don't want to be that person that can't take criticism and like knocks everything anyone says down because that's also not good. But the the majority is just good. It is going to be just people trying to manipulate you because you're young and they think they can, you know, get one over on you and, and you're just going to be so lucky and happy that they're acknowledging you and giving you the time of day when no, like you, you worked hard to get there and you deserve to be there. and you know, age is not like the end all be all. Like there's so many people that are young and have so much experience that like 50 year olds don't have. And like, that's just like life. And so it shouldn't be like, oh, you're young. And so you don't deserve things like, no, I've been doing this like a long time. And so I know, (laughs) you know, so I definitely think just listening to your gut is really important and really, uh, finding, finding people that don't make you feel weird. (laughs) It's like crazy as that sounds. There's a lot of people that like, will just rub you the wrong way. And like, who wants to work with that? Like nobody wants to be creative and be around people that are just like bad vibes. Headaches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I could talk about that for like seven hours, but. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it does bring a good point, you know, trust your judgment, but don't, you know, overly rely on it and, you know, listen to feedback, but don't let it be the point where they're being like, it's like controlling feedback where they're just trying to put pressure on you or something. Cause you got to, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's got to be, it's got to be like, you know, a mutually respected and, you know, trustworthy level. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a big thing. I feel exactly. like people need to um, have in the music industry, just trust and respect because otherwise. Yeah. Don't trust a lot of people. <laughs> trust yourself and, you know, trust that. There are some people like I've managed to really like my producers are like my best friends. Like I talk to them about everything. Like they know so much about me and like they're honestly just like amazing people. And even if they didn't make music, we'd be friends. Um, So that's like really special. Um, So I I would say like if, if you find that like that's that's the ultimate like thing you should be looking for um but if you don't find that that's also cool it's just really amount of like trusting people and feeling like they're not just saying things because they have their own agenda like they have like an interest for you and like uh have like your best interest um at heart at times so you know i would definitely say just you know be cautious and trust your gut and also like know that nothing's the end all be all. I think that was like a big lesson growing up is everything felt so like if I didn't do something or if I didn't listen to someone who knew more than me, like I wouldn't ever make it. And it's like, no, there's no end all be all for anyone. And so like some of my favorite artists haven't made it big 
in in the world until they're like 30. And that's not to say that they haven't been like making amazing music and like working so hard, but you know, that's just timing. And so there's really no end all be all for the career that I want. And for, you know, the music industry in general, they like to make like, you know, like one move and like you're done, but no. So much to watch out for so much to observe so much attention to details. It's, oh my gosh, it just all sounds like that in itself just sounds like a headache because you always yeah. on your toes. Yeah, yeah. Get a good lawyer. Definitely have a good lawyer, 100%. Get a good lawyer, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, another thing I wanted to ask you, um, just, like I mentioned about Shady Deals before, and, you know, we've there's been so many stories of artists who've sold tons of records, you know, famously like TLC, but still... Got made like no money off it. Like the record labels took all the money yeah. and just left them directly on the streets. Like they got nothing literally but fame yeah. and a few awards. So like when you, you know, are selling records and when you're out making your music, I want to know like how you plan to, you know, sustain yourself and, you know, get your dues so you continue doing what you love. Yeah. I think, um, I, I would want to open up my own label so I can own all my masters and also help other artists uh, maintain their, their masters and their ownership. I think um, I've entered for a label before. So I learned, you know, a lot of what it takes to, you know, open up a label and, you know, how to really run it, um, which I was really thankful for that experience. So I definitely see that in my future of just doing it myself because, and like maybe getting like a, you know, a joint distribution deal with like UMG or Sony, you know, and having them help where they're needed, but also not having them control everything and, and like, you know, not let artists maintain their, their rights because that's ridiculous to me. Um, but also I think like, because I am a songwriter, um, that kind of is like constant stream of revenue because I'm always writing, whether it's for other people, other artists, which um, I'm doing now, like writing for other artists. Um, so, and also just like branching out, like, you know, like, doing movies, doing perfume deals, uh, doing sponsorships, having like my own makeup line, having my own clothing line. Like there's so much I want to do outside of just making records, even though like I love making records. Um, that's not like the only thing I want to do. And I think that's super popular now, like having a podcast and, you know, just having different forms of expression and, and people want to get to know you in so many ways other than just your music now. Like if people like your personality, they want you everywhere. They want you on a podcast they want on the tv show they want to buy your clothes they want to you know look at your tiktoks like everything so like people really just want to be a part of who you are in your life um even if it's in an unhealthy way <laughs> but you know so i think just establishing that um is really important and something i really want to do like writing on other people's projects being a part of other artists uh songs and uh you know establishing that and branching out into you know different markets and you know so there's a lot of stuff i want to do that really it has something to do with ma making records but like not completely so yeah i i think that would be how i would be sustainable <laughs> is not just making records because the bottom line is no one can really just like be super sustainable just making records you know it's you you do a lot um of other stuff that like helps you be able to fund making the records um so that's i think that's like the the long-term 
thing of like, yeah, starting making music, but also branching out into other forms of media and, you know, having uh, different ways for people to get to know me because I'm not just a singer, I'm not just a songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in time, you could even end up, end up opening your own sports bar. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I was I was thinking about it. I was talking the other day and I was like, I could be on ESPN giving my takes on, you know, Colin Hurd or, uh, yeah, with Stephen A. Smith. You never know. So, yeah, I think, you know, just branching out, if, if people recognize you and can attach themselves to you in some way, I think that's really uh, formidable. And I think it would be really stupid of me not to, like, take that to the fullest. And I see a lot of my favorite artists do that. So, um, yeah. I understand once you, um, you know, get into these sort of uh, business, you got to really understand, you know, um, the business side of, you know, entertainment and understand the business side of music in all these different ways because, you know, there's, it's, it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be even tougher than, you know, being a singer and just because there's so many more, yeah. you know, red flags and so many more obstacles okay. you got to get through. Yeah, definitely a good agent and a good lawyer is like, <laughs> bottom line for anything you know it's it's you against you know every industry so it's 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 tough and it's uh it's overwhelming but um i think i think it'll be really fun i think i'll be uh, fun but um you know the more you learn the more you'll be able to apply so you know continue yeah. learn and continue to get that experience and you know do your thing so yeah. um yeah two more questions i want to ask you first from your single Looking back at like where you started to mm -hmm. your latest song, uh, Jump Scares, yeah. how have you how have you seen your crafts now evolve since then? So like MIA, you mean like compared to like Jump Scares? Yeah. So um, they were written like almost like nine months apart. So there was just growth in like the writing. I think like Jump Scares is is a little bit more um, clever. It's a little bit more uh witty of like a way of of saying like i said like this person is a clown like you know comparing it to like a jump scare in like a horror movie like that same reaction that you get like whoa <laughs> um and i so just like the writing was was a growth um and also just like the recording right so like when we did mia we recorded upstate um, at a really good studio, but we recorded jump scares in a story app, this like really, really nice studio and had like, you know, this $10,000 vocal chain and it was running through this amazing preamp. And it was like, so just the recording also is just uh, a lot higher quality. And we really like kind of hit our stride because we'd been doing like the post-production stuff and, you know, comping and, and, you know, doing all the not as fun stuff as like recording and production and writing. Um, so we got really faster at that. So just overall, like we, we literally finished the song in like two months and it had taken MIA like a year and a half to like finish and we finished jump scares in like two months. So I think we just really were able to like be super like quick about just like top to bottom making records. And I think like all of us just really hit our hit our stride, <laughs> I would say, because I wanted the song to be on the EP, but like, it was like, we had finished every other song besides this song, like we didn't even start it. And so I was like, all right, let's just throw it on and see what happens. And then we just like fell in love with it. And we were like, oh, we have to put this on. And then we were able to finish it. And like I said, like too much, you know, top to bottom, like mastered everything. So it was really just like, oh, wow, like us putting in the work and, and you know, really doing this consistently has paid off because now we're able to finish a record in like, 
you know, a relatively short amount of time than what it took the first record. So um, creatively, it, you know, was quicker. Uh, the writing, I think, is more succinct, I think is more um, clever, is more me, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, it's just it's just growth overall. And um, I'm really excited and I'm really proud of it. And I'm so excited for like the next batch of, you know, records because, you know, you got to drop like a rapper. So you just got to keep <laughs> keep them coming. So we're already, you know, we're already like almost done with the next, you know, batch of singles, which is crazy. So I'm excited. Yeah. Man, I'm excited too. I'm excited too, honestly, Bray. But thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So now it's to my final question. What do you think someone should should know before, you know, they become a singer, before they start doing it professionally. Right. Yeah. Whew. Mm. Like what I would tell my younger self type type beat, like that type of yeah. vibe or yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, something like this. Uh I would say like I wanna say trust your gut, but I feel like I've already said that so much, but like it's really like just the biggest lesson I've learned throughout my entire like life just in general. Um, but I think like for someone starting out is um take your time. I think there's a lot of pressure and a lot of um because just the world we live in, everything is so just like instant and like you could just like snap your fingers and someone has a million followers or someone goes viral and like there's all this pressure to like find yourself and find your voice in a really short amount of time when in actuality like that's impossible and you're never gonna know you know who you are um at like 15 16 like it takes time you have to live your life and like i'm probably gonna like look at the stuff i'm doing now and be like wow like i'm so much more like this or like I've grown so much right because like even last year the songs I'm writing now feel like a little bit of like an extension and feel like I've grown so I think like putting this pressure on yourself to like uh be like super successful or super rich or whatever at like a really young age um like was like difficult for me because I felt all this pressure that I had to do things and I I you had to work with certain people if I wanted to be successful and so I think if you can like actually like have your blinders on and be like no I'm gonna figure out what I want to say and I'm gonna take my time and really hone in on you know the music and and finding what works for me and what makes me feel fulfilled I think that will like work out way better than if you're rushing and you're just doing what you think other people want you to do or sound like. Um, and then like, look back and be like, why did I do that? So yeah, I think what I would say is like, take your time, uh, find your sound. Um, because like without it, like you, you're just like everyone else. You kind of like have nothing to say. So it's worth the the painstaking hours and like kind of being in your own lane for a minute uh it's worth that because you'll actually like come from an honest place and you'll you'll connect with a lot of people i, th I think a lot more so yeah that'd be my advice but also listen to your gut <laughs> definitely listen to your gut absolutely but, mm -hmm. man just think to think there's just so much to learn from becoming an artist and just so many things you got to watch yeah. out for, so many things you got to be ready for. It's so take your time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. take your time. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like a months long, like travel guide, just right there and yeah. just reading through it still. 
Yeah. My gosh. But Definitely. hey, you know, you're getting through it. You're getting through it, Bray, and you're still playing out <laughs> great music. Thank you. Thank so. you so much. Absolutely. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for episode 48 of the upcoming. I want to give another big thank you to my amazing guest, Bray. Thank you so much, Bray. I absolutely love this conversation. Same. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, folks, like I said, that's it for episode 48 of the upcoming. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram and be sure to check in with more of uh, our episodes. You can find us at uh, the upcoming with john.com and you can also um, go on direct link to the videos. You can uh, go to the dash upcoming com. You can also, you know, just, to stay tuned and check out the rest of our episodes. We've just got a whole lineup of amazing guests and we've got so many more to come. And people, this is far from done. Let's, let's keep going because we're already almost to 50 episodes. I can't believe it myself. But uh, you know what? That's just, it's just amazing how far we've come. So that being said, just be sure to um, tune in for episode 49 of the upcoming and good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. The best yet to come. Take care, everybody.